0: Well, question for you, why do I do this? Why do I stand up here every Sunday and monologue for 30 or 40 minutes every Lord's Day? Why are we called Highlands Bible Church? Why do we read giant chunks of God's Word up here, even the scary parts like Leviticus? Why do we sing God's Word together? Is it really that important? That we center everything that we do around the Word of God. It's not merely important, church. It is critical. Scripture is critical to the life, the growth, and the confidence of a Christian. And therefore, this morning, I want to provide answers to this really big question Why is Scripture so critical for a Christian? And let's jump in. So, we're going to parachute into the book of 2 Timothy. This is affectionately called a one-off in the preaching business. We are not in the middle of a series. If you are visiting with us today, um, what we usually do is preach through books of the Bible. We usually go through series of books of the Bible, and then the main point of my sermon, hopefully, is the main point of that passage. I'm not going to come to you with disjumbled thoughts of 17 ways of how to have an awesome killer 2023, and then use 7,000 scriptures to back that up out of context. We like to stay in a passage and let the Word of God speak to us. And so even though we're doing a one-off, that's still the goal here this morning. The goal is still to exposit the Word and expose the meaning of the Word. That being said, a little bit about 2 Timothy. Along with 1 Timothy and Titus, they make up the pastoral epistles written by the Apostle Paul. The letters to Timothy are some of the latest letters that we have. Many scholars think that this is literally the last letter that the Apostle Paul wrote before he was executed by Emperor Nero. And so who is this Timothy fellow? One study Bible notes that he was a native of Lystra, a Roman colony of Galatia. The son of a mixed marriage. His father was a Gentile. His mother was Jewish. We know from 2 Timothy 1.5 that his mother and his grandmother were both Christians. Paul doesn't say much about his father's faith at all, so we don't know if his father had come to faith or not. But at some point, young Paul—sorry, I mean, young Timothy caught Paul's eye, and Paul actually took him along on his missionary journeys, and in time, he seems to have become Paul's protege. We also know from 2 Timothy that young Tim was a young man of, of fear and worry and anxiety, and deep discouragement to the point of tears. And so 2 Timothy is a letter of encouragement from a spiritual father to a spiritual son. And where does Paul, the spiritual father, then ground the root of this encouragement? He grounds it none other in the word of God, the scriptures. And allow me to set some context here. I'm going to pick it up in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and just read a chunk so that we kind of get a running start here. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Paul says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these men opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however... while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. If we pause there, Paul points out the, the nature of the world around him, right? In the last days, he says, in the last days, started when Jesus Christ rose victoriously from the dead and ascended into heaven. So that's when the last days started, and we've been in the last days since then. But this list, this kind of vice list that he goes through, right? The, the, all of that uh, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, all of that seems like it was ripped from the headlines today. It was actually ripped from the headlines 2,000 years ago. And Paul makes a contrast, makes a sharp turn after listing all of that. In verse 10, he says, you, however, that's not you, Timothy, but you aren't like that. You followed my example and my teachings, not like the world. You followed my persecution. And then he gives us the great news. Everyone who desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. In a sense, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world around us as Christians. Evil people will continue to go from bad to worse They will deceive, they will continue to be deceived. He says, but as for you, Timothy, continue. Continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. You know who taught you. Men like me, faithful men, grounded on the truth of the word of God. And that's where Paul goes next. Look at verse, I'll just read 14 into 15 again. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. First, Paul points out that Timothy has known the scriptures, the sacred writings, as ESV says, since childhood. Now, of course, these are the the Old Testament scriptures. By the time of Jesus, the Old Testament canon, and when I say canon i don 't mean a big gun on wheels. I mean canon as far as what the books of the Bible were they were but by the, by the time of Jesus, the Old Testament ca- canon, what we knew was right about what books were there was settled by the time of Jesus. Young Timothy knew those old scriptures very well. why? Because he was taught from the time he was a child and he was taught probably by his mother and his grandmother parents grandparents do we see our responsibility and how serious that is but look at something else that paul says in verse 15 he says scripture is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in jesus christ john calvin said that god has two books creation and the bible Creation is what we call God's general revelation. All you need to know that there is a God is to step outside. You look outside, you see the beauty, the complexity, the power of creation, and you think to yourself, this could not have just happened. There must have been a designer. That's truly one of the main logical reasons that I'm a Christian, is the design argument. It goes like this, whatever exists has a designer This podium had a designer. These chairs have a designer. The building has a designer. Creation exists. Therefore, creation has a designer. It just didn't happen. In case you're wondering, the two other reasons, logical reasons why I am a Christian is the moral argument, because we all have a sense of right and wrong somehow, everywhere in the world, every person does. And last, but certainly not least the transformational power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To see lives being transformed, which, by the way, lives are being transformed here at Highlands Bible Church by sitting and listening to the word being preached and in community, and we are thankful for that. Common sense, of course, says that it takes far more faith to look outside at the beauty, the complexity, and the power and walk away and say, nah, it just happened, Over billions of years, with time and random chance mutations. No, it takes a lot more faith to believe that. It makes a lot more sense to see that there was, in fact, a designer. But you know, general revelation can only take us so far. You look outside, you know there's a God. You don't know what kind of God this is, except for what he's revealed himself in creation. And you certainly don't know about yourself. You certainly don't know that you are separated from this God. And you certainly don't know what this God has done to reconcile you to himself. It cannot, general revelation cannot tell us all that he requires of us. And for that, we need special revelation. For that, we need the word of God god's word the bible and so look at the text what does paul say the scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in jesus christ that's what special revelation does they're able to make you wise for salvation through faith in jesus christ note that it doesn't say the scriptures are by themselves they scripture by itself can save you right As highly as we hold Scripture, we don't worship the Bible. We worship who the Bible points to. Only through the Bible can we learn and know that God is holy and that we have broken His law, and therefore we're objects of His wrath, and therefore we're destined to hell. And only through the Bible can we know that God in His mercy and His grace, as we just talked about at the table, didn't leave us in that awful position, but yet sent His Son to live a perfect life, die on the cross, and be resurrected victoriously. And through faith and repentance, we can have forgiveness and adoption and life in him. We're not going to get that from general revelation. Like Timothy said to Paul, you know that you got that from the word of God. And you've got that since you were a child. Without faith in Jesus Christ, we are spiritually dead. We are objects of God's wrath. But through faith in Jesus Christ, we have life. We have new life. So first point, why is Scripture so critical for a Christian? Because Scripture points the way to new spiritual life. Scripture points the way to new spiritual life. Try as we may, we can't find the way to new life by being in nature. Right? We can't sit on top of a glorious mountaintop and realize what God wants from us. We can't watch a sunrise over the ocean and realize the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can't look at the power of God's creation or creatures And know that it only comes through special revelation in God's word. We will never know that without scripture pointing us to the gospel. The gospel is 100% clear in scripture. There's a lot of things that people might squabble about, about what's clear and what's not clear in the Bible. A lot of that doesn't matter. Because you know what's completely clear in the Bible? The gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that we are sinners. We know what God has done to bring us into reconciliation with himself. Now, some of you, all of you are smart, and I understand that, and you're probably all thinking, okay, Pastor Mike, but we're talking about the Old Testament scriptures, right? Timothy didn't have the New Testament scriptures, and we all know that the gospel's not in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of that cranky God that we don't like to talk about, the God with the anger problem, and there's lots of weird things in there about Israel. There is no gospel in the Old Testament, and that's not true. If you were here Christmas Eve, you heard the gospel preached from Genesis 3. How Adam and Eve, when they broke God's law, they were instantly protected by God himself, and Satan was told that someone would come to crush your head. Later on in Genesis 49, we see the blessing Father Jacob gives to Judah, his son, telling him that his throne will never end, and that Shiloh, the Messiah, will come and reign over the people. We see it in Psalm 110. When David looks forward to the Messiah, his Lord, ruling and reigning from his throne, we see it in the gospel of the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. The Messiah will come to bear our griefs and carry our sorrows. He'll be wounded for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, and on him will be laid the iniquity of us all. I could go on, not to mention God's law. Shameless plug for the God's law series coming up January 15th. God's law shows us beyond a shadow of a doubt that we cannot keep it, and there's got to be a way that we can be made right with him. That points to the gospel. But also realize there that there was an understanding that since Jesus came with the new covenant, established the new covenant, they were fully expecting new revelation. Old Testament, old covenant, you have the revelation. New covenant, they're expecting new revelation, and they got it. And so it's very likely that Timothy knew that while Paul was writing in his letters were in fact Scripture. If we jump over very quickly to Second Peter chapter 3, Peter knew it. 2 Peter 3, 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation. Just as your beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand. Let's just pause and realize that the Apostle Peter says some of the things that Paul writes are hard to understand. Which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do, watch this, the other scriptures. Peter knew that Paul's writing, although sometimes hard to understand, was actually scripture. So there's a really, really good chance, and I would say it is certain, that Timothy knew that Paul was writing new scripture, new revelation. And so, yes, he did have the gospel even clearly written down. The scripture the Old Testament and the New Testament then point to new spiritual life. This spiritual life is inextricably linked, rather, with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what we are actually placing our faith in, Jesus Christ. We can look to many passages in scripture to verify this. One of the most famous ones might be 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which many would have memorized. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what we talk about when we talk about the transforming power of the gospel. It's not just, hey, I'm going to be better in 2023. No, I'm going to be a new person. And I'm going to walk in newness of life. So if scripture points the way to new spiritual life, ask yourself first of all, do I have this new spiritual life? If not, new year, new spiritual life. How do you get it? As Paul reminded Timothy, it's in the pages of Scripture, and the pages of Scripture point us to none other than faith in Jesus Christ. But it is worth asking the question, where in Scripture do we find the details of this new spiritual life? Paul's answer, everywhere. Why? Because Scripture has a unique quality unlike any other book, and that that unique quality of Scripture is its author. Look at verse 16 of 2 Timothy 3. Paul continues and says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. Famous passage. Paul says, All Scripture. And again, very complicated in the Greek. The word all. I mean, it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. I know, I understand, but it actually means all. It means everything. Thank you for laughing at that every single time I do that. All. It means every word. It means every verse, every chapter, every book is breathed out by God. Why? Paul literally invents a Greek word here. It only appears here in all the New Testament. Up until this time, it didn't appear anywhere else in Greek literature. It's theonoustos. Theos meaning God. Noustos meaning life or breath. All Scripture is literally breathed out by God, His creative breath. The great R.C. points out that this means that Scripture really isn't as much God-inspired as it is God-expired, the expiration of breath, the breathing out of Scripture. It's kind of weird unless you go back to Genesis and see what the breath of Creator God can do. When you look at a passage like Genesis 3, and verse 7, it says that, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living creature. You see how the Bible brings us new spiritual life? Why? Because the Creator did it. You can't separate the Creator God from Scripture. You can't just take out creation because you don't like it, or it's not scientific. It has to be in here. It has to stay in here. Because just like God created the world, and just like God created us, He creates life through His Word. This is also known as the doctrine of the inspiration of Scripture. The Bible is no other book. It was divinely breathed into existence through the pens of ordinary men. And this is where atheists and agnostics and progressive Christians just lose their minds. And their syllogism is logical enough, right? Like, men wrote the Bible, men make mistakes, ergo, the Bible has mistakes. It's Logical enough. But the only problem is that this completely discounts the theory of inspiration. The doctrine of inspiration. Because men did write the Bible. But they didn't write the Bible by themselves. And 2 Peter tells us that clearly in 2 Peter 1.20. Knowing first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Watch this. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is how scripture was written. Yes, he used the pens and the personalities of ordinary men, but scripture, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit inspired them to write exactly what they were supposed to write. But that's not all. Paul continues dropping bombs here because scripture is breathed out by God. It is therefore profitable. It is therefore useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. And we can Kind of divide these up into two buckets. First bucket is knowledge, and the second bucket is life. First, knowledge, we can look at putting teaching and training in there. By reading, by studying, and meditating on God's perfect word, we grow in the knowledge of the faith. There are actually facts that we need to know, there's things in here that we need to remember. We need to know why. We have to be very familiar with what the Bible actually says. Paul talks about this earlier in his letter in 1, verse 13, where he says, Follow the pattern of sound words that you've heard from me by the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. There's actually right and wrong doctrine. We need to know, we need to be taught, we need to be trained. That's the knowledge, but also life. Paul mentions reproof and correction. Scripture has authority over our lives because if God wrote it, then he can tell us what to do. And therefore, it has the authority to rebuke us or reprove us and correct us. So that's the life bucket that's actually training. It's not just knowledge, but it's also life. It's both of those things. And Paul, earlier in his letter, we read it in chapter 3, all of those lists of of sins. Scripture has the right to correct us in those things. So maybe I can answer the question this way. Why is Scripture critical for a Christian? Because Scripture is essential for creating spiritual growth. Scripture is essential for creating spiritual growth. If you're spiritually slack, if you're spiritually stuck, you don't need a spiritual experience. You don't need the latest book. You don't need a special fast. What you need most is the Word of God. That's what you need. Calvin writes again, Scripture contains a perfect rule of a good and happy life. Instruction in righteousness means that the rule of a good and holy life. You want to have a happy life, you want to have a good life, know Scripture and follow it. Because it is God-breathed, He creates spiritual growth through its pages. Specifically, it's the Holy Spirit that does this work. It does the work because it's inspired by God. The Holy Spirit's the one. He's present with us as we read and as we study and two very related theological terms that are critical to understanding this. One's inerrancy and the other one's authority. Inerrancy, Piro prayed, it means without error. There are no errors in Scripture whatsoever. If anyone says there are, first question, show me one. That doesn't cause them to give up because not many people can, right? The second question is, okay, let's look at it. And usually you can resolve it pretty easily with a little thing called context. because They might know Scripture, but they might pull it out of context. Authority means that because it's inspired by God, the words of Scripture come with His authority. When Scripture tells us, don't do this, we obey it. When Scripture tells us, do this, we obey it, because it comes with authority. God's law, the perfect standard for morality and ethics in the life of all people, whether they know it or not, especially as a Christian. It's what you signed up for when you're a Christian. I'm going to obey what you tell me to obey. Going back to the first part of chapter 3 again, Paul lists various sins which a Christian ought not to do. Right? Lovers of self, lovers of money, pride, arrogance, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, all of that. Christians ought not to do those things. Why not? Because God said so in his word. And he has the authority to do so. It's a, scripture is authoritative. We here at Highlands stand fully on the doctrine of inspiration, its inerrancy, and authority. It's right in our doctrinal statement. I pulled this right off our doctrinal statement. We believe in the inspiration and inerrancy of the Scriptures, meaning the Bible, <clears throat> the 66 books of the Old and New Testaments, is complete in every respect. And it is the verbally inspired word of God. We believe it is without error in the original writings, true, authoritative, and sufficient for life and faith. And so yes, we believe that a marriage is only between one man and one woman because God has the authority to set that standard. We believe Sunday is a day set aside for worship and rest. And we gather as the church, even if Sunday falls on Christmas Day or New Year's Day. And just as these things alone put us in odds or at odds with other churches nearby us, who's right? Us or them? Well, it's not us or them, it's God. Because God says in his word, and therefore God has the ability to command us what to do. And therefore God creates spiritual growth and correction and all of that through his word. What do we do when we get to a passage of scripture that we don't like? It tells us to do something that we don't like. right? Do we change it? Do we cross out words Do we revise it? Do we go on the YouTubes and find some crazy nut job who says that, no, it doesn't mean that what you think it is and you can can do whatever sin you want to do? Augustine wrote, when we have gone wrong, we don't make out scripture to be wrong, but it continues to stand up straight and right so that we may return to it for correction. Augustine says, guess what? When we come to a hard passage of scripture, and we don't like it, it's not scripture that has to change. It's us that has to change. Growth comes through correction, and we hate it, don't we? We don't want to be corrected. We don't want to grow. We don't want to change. Learning new things from God's word is hard. Living by them is even harder. And so why do it? Because it's worth it. We need to grow or we'll spiritually stagnate and fall away. Church, ask yourself again, are you growing? Or better yet, are you ready for what 2023 has for you? Let's look at verse 17. It's continuing on. I'll I'll read the whole thing because it feels weird to jump in the middle. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped, for every good work. That, that word at the beginning of 17 that most of us have in our Bible, that, that's a very important word because it's a purpose clause. It's saying, so that, Paul's saying, guess what? So scripture's inspired and breathed out by God and authoritative. So what? So that we can become competent, complete, equipped for every good work. Why is scripture critical? So that we can become competent, so that we can become ready. Other translations have complete, which I'm not a fan of. The word here means more of fully qualified, ready, fully trained up, ready for the fight. Why else is scripture critical? So that we can be equipped. This has more the idea of making ready for service, furnished with what you need. Someone pointed out once that this is probably a boating term. Like If you're going out on the water, have everything that you possibly would need in your boat to go. And why do we need to be spiritually prepped up? Well, because we have work to do. He says we have good works. God calls us to do good works, and we need to be competent, and we need to be equipped to do them. Notice that this is for the man of God. The Bible is exclusively for us, church. As Christians, we need to know how to do what God has called us to do. He gives us all we need to do what he's called us to do. This leads to another doctrine and you're wondering why I get so excited about the one-offs, because I get to talk about doctrine a little bit more. The doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture. It means that Scripture is sufficient. Wayne Grudem defines it this way, the idea that Scripture contained all the words of God he intended his people to have at each stage of redemptive history, and that it now contains all the word of, words of God that we need for salvation, for trusting him perfectly, and for obeying him perfectly. Did you catch all that? Do you see what's involved in the, in the doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture? Peter talks about it as well in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He says this, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and goodness. This is what Scripture does. It fully equips us. Scripture is inerrant. It has no mistakes. Scripture is authoritative. It can tell us what to do. And scripture is sufficient. Everything we need for life and godliness is within its pages. And so why is scripture critical for the Christian? Because scripture equips us with spiritual confidence. Scripture equips us with spiritual confidence. And boy, do we need spiritual confidence these days. Spoiler alert though, no matter how dark it gets out there, we win. We still win. Jesus told us that the gates of hell... Could not stand against the church. He is King of Kings and He is Lord of Lords now. And through knowledge of Him and His holy word, we can face 2023. We can be ready for every trial. We can be ready for every sickness, ready for every discouragement, ready for every attack, ready to even face death because of the hope of life. Think about it. What is your confidence? as we look down the barrel of 2023. What is your confidence when we think of the evil that is going from bad to worse in the hearts of those around us? Stephen Nichols wrote a very helpful little book called *The Time for Confidence. And he says this, commenting on society, marriage is whatever we want it to be. Human life is defined however we want it to be defined. Gender is a moving target. We have plunged ourselves into a whirlpool of relativism. And we're spiraling towards the drain, But now is not a time to cower, to cave, or to capitulate. It is a time for confidence. And our confidence must be in the right person. Our confidence must be in God. All else will disappoint. So church, I'll ask again, where is your confidence for 2023? And where do we gain spiritual confidence? The pages of Scripture. Let's face it, we pretty much have zero idea of what's going to happen in 2023, right? We don't know. We don't know what happens tomorrow. January is not lost on Melanie and I, especially, because as we sat here two years ago, I had cancer growing in me and didn't know it yet, and Melanie's dad was going to pass away within a week after that in 2020, and then we had that little thing, COVID. Anybody remember that? Remember sitting here? First week of January, singing songs and thinking about what a great 2020 it was going to be. We don't have any idea what 2023 is going to be, but church, guess what? We know who does. And He is our confidence. We have to be equipped, but we also have to realize that there are things we can't control. And in that space we can't control, which is a lot bigger than we think it is, we have to trust in all of our confidence. In our Savior and Lord. I think of the colossal blizzard that they just had in Buffalo, right? Some people were a little more prepared than others. Although I don't know how you ever prepare for, like, what, 300 feet of snow or whatever just happened up there. Church, sometimes we can obsess about prepping for a survival situation, an outdoor adventure. We can obsess about prepping for vacation. We can obsess about our day at work. Are we spiritually prepared? 2023. Christian, are you spiritually prepared? There's only one way to be spiritually prepared, and Paul tells us what it is. You have to know this book. You have to know this book well. And as a matter of fact, there's only one way to be a Christian, and it's to do what we find here in the Word of God. There's no way to new spiritual life without scripture. There's no way to spiritual growth and confidence without scripture. And so why is scripture critical for Christians? Maybe I'll just throw the big idea this way. Scripture is critical for a Christian because you can't be one without it. Scripture is critical for a Christian because you can't be one without it. You can't know your position before God as as his enemy without scripture. You can't know the danger we all come into this world as being objects of his wrath for sin without scripture. You can't know the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ without Scripture. You can't know His forgiveness without Scripture. You can't know what Jesus did to secure that. His perfect life, His sacrificial death, His victorious resurrection. You can't know that without Scripture. You can't know that we're called to respond to the message of the gospel with repentance and faith without Scripture. You can't have new spiritual life apart from hearing it from the pages of Scripture. Church, after you've become a Christian, you can't have any idea what God requires of you without Scripture. You can't know how to grow and change. You can't know what sin is and how to kill it and how to, how to grow then and replace it with what we're supposed to be doing without Scripture. You can't gain any spiritual confidence without it. The scripture equips us with the spiritual confidence we need. It is literally the sword of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit inspires Scripture And I know some of you might be getting a little tweaked because it's like, yeah, yeah, the Holy Spirit. Yes, I'm not discounting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the force behind Scripture to begin with. The Apostle Paul calls it the sword of the Spirit. So without the Holy Spirit, none of this works. The Holy Spirit empowers Scripture and empowers it in our lives through the presence of it in our very souls. Scripture is critical for a Christian because you can't be one without it. So why then? You knew knew this was coming, right? Why then do so few Christians know so little of Scripture? Why then are there so few Christians who've even read the whole Bible? Why then are there so few Christians who run out the door every day, weak in spiritual life, stunted in spiritual growth, and lacking in spiritual confidence because they haven't spent a second in God's Word? It is critical, therefore, church, that we must know the scriptures. We have to seek it as its very lifeblood for us. We can't live the life God has called us to without scripture. And so church, 2023 just started. Is this the year that you read through the whole Bible finally? Is this the year where you say, No, I'm going to get up early, I'm going to defend this time, whatever it is, and I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to meditate on the Bible, and I'm going to memorize the Bible? Is this the year where parents, fathers, husbands, you commit to leading family devotions in your home, reading God's word together, commit to talking about it with our wives? Singles, will you commit in 2023 to knowing God's word so that when you see a potential spouse, you know if he or she is actually a good idea or not? There are many Bible reading plans. Millions on our phones alone, right? We've got the firefighter Bible reading plan. We've got the one minute a day Bible reading plan. We've got the lose weight Bible reading plan, whatever it is. Can I just encourage you? Maybe not. Okay, maybe not. I'm not going to throw so much shade on them. Get a Bible, a paper Bible. Get a new one. With lots of space in the margins. And start a Bible reading plan. And get yourself a pen and write all over it. And underline. You can't underline in your Bible. You know that, right? Highlight in your Bible. Write question marks in your Bible about what you don't understand. Pray through your Bible. Have a paper Bible where you sit with a pen and a paper Bible away from your phone and hear the voice of God. Is this a year you do that? Is this a year we commit to knowing God's word? Because what did we just hear church? You can't be a Christian without one. You can't know spiritual life without one. You can't know what God requires of us. You can't have have spiritual confidence without one. There are tons of good Bible reading plans. There is one on the back table. It is a five-day plan, which I rather like because there's always like one or two days during the week where we don't actually read the Bible, right, because other things are going on. But pick one up. Why? Because scriptural, Scripture is critical for a Christian because you can't be one without it. Father, we thank you for this, this word, this famous passage that, that we, we stop and we think about at the beginning of this year. And Lord, would we take seriously to know your word? Would we believe with every fiber of our being what Paul has said to Timothy? That this word is, every bit of scripture is breathed out by you. And therefore, it is useful, it is profitable for reproof, for correction for training in righteousness, that we might be equipped, fully, confidently equipped for whatever 2023 has for us and to do every good work that you have called us to do. Father, be our confidence. Holy Spirit, be our guide. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Amen.